showdown in Ferncliff. Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. Well, good evening. Well, hold this on. is K2Radio Soaps. I'm Anthony, one of your co-hosts. Of course, we have David. Hey, David. Pam, are you there? Hello. Hey, how are you doing, Pam? You there? there we go. Good evening, Pam. I showed, that, didn't come I showed that I was on. I don't know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't show on me. That's why. Well, Okay. <laughs> nice we're start. here and we're ready to interview. <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody, to Take Two Radio Soaps and Review. And I am Pam, if you haven't figured that out by now. And Anthony and David are here with me. And it's going to be a full moon, I guess. I don't know. Crazy. But Something's that's, going you know, on in the air. That's live radio. Everything goes kind of goofy, so every once in a while. But now no more goofiness. Now we get to the interview. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope she's got her head about her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she's heard that like 10 million times. So let's go ahead and welcome the award-winning actress, Patricia Bethune. Hello, Patricia, everyone. are you with us? <laughs> I am. Hello, hello. I love Goofy. I like that What a crazy already. start. <laughs> it kind of makes me feel very comfortable. There's no pressure now. We just can flow with it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to chat with you all. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. We know you're so busy, and we appreciate every minute you can give us. So, you're welcome. So, how has your day been? No. (laughs) You know, it's been lovely. It's pretty hot where I'm at, so uh, it's it's just kind of laying low here. It's been over 100 all week, so I'm just kind of grateful that it's only in the 80s today. So it's beautiful. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm in Chicago, and believe it or not, it was like 46 degrees last night. Are you kidding? And, uh, oh, no. <laughs> I, you know, I'm from Chicago, so I have a lot of family in Chicago. So hello, everybody. Oh, are Coco. you really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're so cool. Yeah, yeah. When uh, for the Emmys, I, my sister and sister-in-law came out from Chicago to come to the show and everything, for, which was really a lot of fun. 
So it was great to have them all there and get a lot of the Chicago party and spirit with me for the awards night. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, first of all, congratulations on winning a Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Performer in a Drama Thank Series you. for General Hospital's Nurse Mary Pat. You're welcome. Thank my you. gosh. <laughs> what a role, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. It was the best thing ever. Out of nowhere. You just don't know where things you do a lot of roles, but this one just came like, you know, I was actually packing to go on a road trip across and I got a call that, uh, oh, there's this role that came through. So, okay, change of plans. And it turned out to be a grand gift. Nothing like playing evil. Right? Exactly. I mean, we hear that from a lot of actors in the industry, that those are the most fun parts to play. Well, they are fun, even though I truthfully don't think she was evil. She just was overworked and understaffed. And, uh, you know, Carly just wouldn't listen. That and you had the cuckoo Ryan, you know, as your your supposed (laughs) boss. Well, exactly, exactly. Plus all the other ones in the Institute. So, yeah, I mean, anybody would be a little crazy. (laughs) Anybody who stayed at a job longer than they should have would understand Mary Pat. You know, it's like you're holding on for retirement. Get me out of here. Let me just keep them all drugged. <laughs> exactly. But what yeah. a way to get your, what a way to retire, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, with my head off. <laughs> yeah, lost a little weight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a so, nice surprise. It was a surprise for you, so you didn't know it was coming right away? Well, no, I, I, you know, I was done with the first leg of the character, and then they called me to come back, and I ran in, uh, I went to a party that evening, and I ran into the executive producer, Frank Valentini, and uh, I said, hey, it looks like I'm going to see you, and he says, yeah, well, it's good news and bad news. <laughs> I said, oh. And I said, I, he said, we're going to kill you. And I said, oh, well, good, oh. I'm glad, because I, I knew she'd have to die. She scared the fans a lot, from what I understood, that uh, people really, she had a big impact, and they were very worried for Carly. So uh, they wanted to make sure everybody knew I was dead. And I thought, well, better than just my foot sticking out of, you know, one of the rooms going, oh, there she is, and there she's dead. So letting me die basically on camera was a good thing. Uh, he, and he said, he said, well, and then we're going to cut off your head and we'll put your body somewhere else. And I thought, oh, you're such a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but how oh. weird was it seeing your head sitting in a barrel? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, when they made the head, because it was kind of last minute, they said, you have to go over and, and we're going to make your head. And I went, oh, I guess they were serious. So I went over to the place to have it made. And when we shot before the bobbing your head was my last day with the bobbing um we shot the stuff on the dock and they brought they said the head's here so that's those pictures you see of me holding my head it is so Mm. so weird to see because they did an amazing job yeah so much so that i I think i won't i won't do an open casket we'll just go for cremation it's not pretty (laughs) (laughs) a life-changing job (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yes exactly you know you take the notes where you can find them well it wasn't my first head made but it was it was the most exact and it was they did an amazing job and and then to see what they did with the bobbing for apples was just a brilliant brilliant 
joke, scare, all of that for Halloween. It was perfect. It was. It really was. And, you know, to be a character that fans are so, well, scared. I didn't know that fans were actually scared, but, you know, that they they didn't like very much just proves how well you did your job. Well, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. went to, during the shooting of it, I did do uh, one of the general hospital weekends that was taking place, and there were a number of people, because it was fresh and I was still airing, who wouldn't come near me. One woman walked by for the entire time just screaming, you scare the blank out of me, back and forth. (laughs) I was (laughs) the It was so so crazy. Yeah, well, some people love their stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, some get into them a little bit too much. Like, they think it's reality, but then how would you be standing there, you know, if you lost your head? So, come on. Well, <laughs> well I hadn't been killed yet. Oh, I hadn't been killed yet. Oh, when okay. I was still, Carly was still in Ferncliff with me at that point. It was like early uh, okay. June or end of May last year. So I was still alive and kicking. But, I mean, it's, you know, it is acting. So <laughs> I, I didn't carry my syringes with me. That would have been fun, though. I should have had them laid so out. <laughs> oh, that would have been hysterical. That would have been good. I hope somebody videotaped that. <laughs> we could see it on YouTube one day. <laughs> I know. This other woman wanted her picture with me, and she said, okay, um, would you just strangle me? And I you know, it was a long day. And I said, what? She goes, yeah, that was a picture of you, like, with your hands around my throat. So I did one. And she looks, she goes, no, no. You have to be terrified. you got to be really mean. I said, oh, boy, okay. Now you want me to. <laughs> now I'll oh, my God. Let's move on. It was very, yeah. But it was just something for her collection. I was happy to oblige. Silly, but fun. From one extreme to another. So when they announced your name that you had won, what was the first thing that came to your mind? And did you have anything written in case you won? Um, Well, you know, during that whole little section where they show you up on the screen and they like who's nominated and I, the beginning of it was, I thought they did them in alphabetical order. And so I wasn't there and I thought, Oh, they made a mistake. Oh, well, at least I'm here. You know, things happen. And then they showed mine last. And then I went, oh, and then they showed the clip of me going right my face into the camera. And this was on a gigantic screen in the auditorium. And I'm, and I'm just mm. like, oh, my God, they used that shot. Ah! And, it, <laughs> and, the, and the crowd roared. And, and it just made me laugh so hard that I only heard I'm sitting there, and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips starts to announce, and he, I hear Patricia, and I, I equate it to being on Star Trek and going into warp drive, where I was mm-hmm. literally thrown back in my chair of whoop, and uh, my friend with me, he's like, Pat, Pat, you won! And I said, okay, and I started walking up, and I did write... Um, you know, a little bit of what I wanted to say, and but I and I had it in my hand, but as I'm walking up, my heart is beating so much, and I'm just like, okay, breathe so you don't pass out, and then, uh, you know, okay, you got your piece of paper, and it's like, come on, you memorize 70 pages in a day, you can remember six names. You could, you know, and, and 
and I'm walking up, and thank goodness the man was up there because your legs are kind of weak. It's such a rush of adrenaline that's overwhelming, overwhelming, and uh, surprising. But I, I was so thrilled. You know, it's just such, it's a big deal, and it was such a rewarding thing. I had, you know, I it's not my world, the daytime. I work mostly in prime time, so for the folks there to, to kind of, we appreciate what you did with the character in our space. It was such a lovely thing, and, and you know, and, and the general hospital people were so good to me um, and so happy for me in that moment. So it was great, and seeing my family, they were all behind me cheering and having them there with me. It was one of those very special moments I wanted to take a second and just, you know, enjoy. And my speech came out pretty well, so I was happy. Yes, yes. Yes, you did well. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. No, I, you know, I, I, you know, I had made a decision not to thank a bunch of people individually, as far as friends and family, because anyone in my life I love, and they're all important, or they wouldn't be there. So all I could do was miss somebody and hurt feelings. So I just included everyone. That's a great idea. I mean, yeah. you've seen it before, where somebody forgets to thank their wife or something and oh my gosh it's written about right. for weeks on end <laughs> yes exactly exactly so you know i'm saying you know and before i kind of did a thing with my friends on facebook and stuff for the weeks prior to the award show because you don't know what's going to happen and uh, where I was just kind of thanking, like, my theater friends, you know, from and going through my career was kind of a little, little retrospective for me because it was, mm-hmm. it's been, you know, over 25 years in this career. And so everybody had a, had a place within me doing that role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, without your friends and family and, and coworkers right. behind you, it, you know, it would make it a little bit harder, I think. Well, you know, I, I don't share a lot of it because it's too hard to explain a career in the arts to people that, you know, and I mean, I worked a regular gig for years before I changed into doing, into working as an actor. And uh, and it, it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's a lot of sacrifice and they don't need to carry all that. You know, I you right. don't share it all. That's, you know, that's where you have your couple, you know, close friends that are, you know, the other, like for my case, a couple actor friends who you download to. And you complain to because if you complain about your career to family, it's like uh, complaining about your boyfriend. You know, you forgive your career, right. but they're not gonna. So it's the same thing. Right. It's like, oh yeah, I'm not mad at him anymore. And they're all like, yeah, but he did this. It's like, oh, let it go. You know? <laughs> they don't forget. <laughs> they don't forget. So you kind of do the same thing. <laughs> well, as you've mentioned, you know, you've had a long acting career and you've played a lot of different roles in different genres. What's your favorite genre to play and is there something you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? Oh, you know, um I you know, I love comedy drama. I like real life with humor cuz that's, you know, obviously how I live. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like a show like a Northern Exposure, you know, where you're part of quirky. Mm-hmm. True Blood was a little bit of like that for me in the second season when I was at the bar for the whole time. And we all are a little quirky, but we accept each other and their quirks. So, um, I, you know, I'd love to do an hour that's it, set in a world like that, you know, where everybody's their own individual and they accept each other with their faults. That, yeah. that would be Something, fun. Yeah. 
That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, maybe you could write something like that. Have you ever thought of writing or producing oh. or anything like that? Oh, sure. I have um, three screenplays out there right now. I write a lot, actually. And, um, uh, and I've... You know, actually, and they all have a bit of that. A couple of them are period dramas uh, with humor, but uh, they—I at least one of them was in the '80s. I didn't realize I'm so old. I guess I, you know, I, one's 1880s, the other one's 1980s, and the someone said, "Well, that's a period drama." I said, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's still the Since when? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, actually, a friend and I—I I was we were writing a sitcom right now that's a uh, a half hour. That's a similar kind of a thing, and uh, so we're developing that at the moment. Awesome. Well, you let us know when it's off and running, and we'll be watching. Yeah. You know that. I will. You know, it's like a farmer. You plant it, you water, you work on it, and then seven years later it pops. You know, you just don't know. Uh, so you, so you yeah. do it. I said it's the past, you know, and you don't know which thing will hit, but I like the process of writing and researching as well as, Kind of like with uh, acting, I like researching characters and finding out about their world. So, and then occasionally you work. I mean, that's what a career in the arts is. It's a lot of mm-hmm. time in between, and then and then people see it, and that's great. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't know if you're aware because you were in daytime so for such a short time, but soap fans. When they have their favorites go off and do something else, we follow them wherever they go. So we'll be following oh, you our best. Oh, well, well, thank you. Actually, I have been so embraced, and I love the soap fans. I've never – so many people have come and, and introduced themselves and have talked to me, you know, more than anything else. And I've worked in a lot of genres. But it's it, there's a, a unique, really warm group of people that follow the soaps. Mm-hmm. And they're great. They're great. And that would be lovely. I'd like to hang on to everybody. Uh, we'll be there. <laughs> I'm going to move on and let David go ahead and answer or ask some of his questions. So, okay. Go ahead, Thanks, Dan. Sam. You're up. Well, You're thank welcome. You. Miss Patricia, nice to, nice to meet you um, phone to phone. Nice. Nice to meet you too, David. <laughs> Are you in the studio, or are you in, like somewhere else, satelliting in as well? I'm in upstate New York right now. That's where I'm. Oh, I love it. I mean, oh, I'm talking. Yeah. I love it. We've got the whole country covered right now. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so my question, my first question to you, is what was it like working alongside Ray Romano and Marty? Oh my gosh. Well, he's incredible. And uh I I produced the evening. So basically I wanted to honor uh, Patty Chayefsky who wrote it and kind of put to live television in the day. So um I put together the cast and none of them had nobody had read together. It was live reading cold. And uh, Ray Romano I had heard was a big fan of Marty and wanted to do it and Patty Chayefsky. So when I contacted his manager, he he was the first on board, and he was lovely. He's um, he's he he doesn't like to uh, rehearse with anyone, so that worked out really well. I mean, he uh, he he performs naturally, you know. He's instinctual, and I think a lot of that comes from stand up as well for him, where he feels it and he's most exposed in the moment. He uh, was incredible, and probably if they ever redo a movie, he should play Marty. He was vulnerable. 
He was uh, kind. And, of course, he was funny. It was just, it was a beautiful piece. It, it, um, it got written up in some, someone was doing a, a thesis on it. And you can, you know, through my website, you could find the article. But he was incredible. And it's much fun when I worked with him on Everybody Loves Raymond. So, uh, you know, we didn't talk about it because I was producing that night, so we didn't really have time to kind of go through backgrounds. But he um, he was great on that show, too. I had a really small part of the Christmas episode, The Toaster, years ago. Oh, my gosh, I remember that. Oh, no. I, I, I still watch the reruns every single day because <laughs> I absolutely – my first – thing to go to is comedies and Mm -hmm. so you know Ray Romano and the whole cast I mean unfortunately two of them have passed but I mean there was nothing funnier than watching those guys all together they're just so crazy I love that show they were great and I I was basically the clerk when they were returning their coffee maker to try to find the toaster Mm. and and mm-hmm. I worked with uh, Doris Roberts, and and and, and I was and both of them, and they were, they were, everybody was equally talented, different different styles on how to work, but once it was action, their chemistry and comedic timing, uh, there's very few like them. They were brilliant, and it's a, it was a hysterical show. Oh yeah, the engraved toaster. Oh. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go back and see that. I have to go back. And see yeah. <laughs> What's next, David? So, what are you thinking? Oh, what's next? Okay. So what, if any, is the difference between directing others and directing yourself in the same production? Oh, well, good question. you have to do your – that's a really good question. Um, directing others, because when you're directing, technically you, you play every role individually. It's like when you're writing, it's the same thing. So you have an arc for each character, you have a, the arc for the piece, and then as you cast it, like in the case of Marty, I cast based on it, um, their voice, their natural rhythms that I thought would be fit into the piece. And um, you can, when you're when you're just by yourself and someone else is directing you, it's very selfish. The entire play, every actor thinks whatever they're in is all about them. And that's the real difference is that when you're doing both, you have to be generous because as a director, every, you have to make sure every character has their moment, feels full in every moment, and you're not so self-involved. So if you do your own homework, you're just naturally in it. And if you're fortunate, you can shut down that other director's eye while, you're, while it's live and while you're acting. Oh, that's that just seems that. like n- not easy, <laughs> but I guess you get used to no, it. No, it doesn't seem easy. You know, it's not easy. No, it's not easy at all. And and it's fun to direct, and it's great if you can only direct and sometimes, you know, and just really kind of watch everything. Um, but it, and sometimes the only way, you know, especially in the beginning of my career, I – I had to create my own work, so I would produce and direct and put together projects with folks as, so I would have an acting venue because I didn't start acting until my late 20s, early 30s. So I had to do a lot of catch-up 
and I had to show them what I do. And sometimes the only way to do that is to create it yourself. Similar to what Pam said earlier, you got to write it for yourself. Well, I've been kind of doing that all through my mm-hmm. my career. And, yeah. you know, it's very, I mean, you'll find most actors, you'll see that go, oh, I directed a film. And then you'll see them for the next, like, five years go, no, I'm just acting because it's so much work. And, you, you know, there's the shooting of it and then there's the editing. And it's just, it's, it's a year out of your life that's gone from your acting career and you know you're starting again sometimes wow that's just incredible thank you for oh, thank you that oh um, you're welcome i got one more for you sure i got one more okay what inspired you to write about the care for the caregiver and what should I do? Oh. And what are some helpful hints that others can do to give relief to the caregiver? Oh, that's so kind of you to mention it. Um, I, uh, I just in life, I had four of the closest people in my life get sick and all pass away within six months. And so prior to those six months, I did my best to be everywhere, helping everybody. And and, and one, one of my closest friends, she was in Sweden, I went back and forth, and then my mentor passed away, and another close friend got sick and was in the ICU for a number of time, and, my, and one of my parents passed away. And when it was all over, you know, I mean, the only reason we're here really is to help each other. And then we do fill it with a bunch of selfish stuff in between. But when those opportunities come, you, I, you, know, you have to ask yourself years from now, am I going to go back and wish I didn't help my close friend, you know, just because I may miss an acting job. But it, what happened is during that time period, you're also, you're not having income come in. And once everybody was gone and buried and I did everything I thought I could do, I had nothing left. And kind of just was, you know, emotionally, physically, uh, you know, financially spent. So, but because I had gone through it, so many people had come to me asking questions about it. And so uh, myself and a friend of mine, Barbara Sweeney, who had taken care of her partner who had become paralyzed, decided to write a handbook on how friends and family can help somebody who's going through it. Not how to care for someone. There's millions of specialists in that but how to care for the person caring for someone. And so one of the, you know, because they don't allow people to help them. They don't want to burden them. And also the caregiver doesn't know how to ask for help a lot of times or accept it. So when, so friends who are family who want to help, it, it's important to kind of give a clue of what you're offering. So I, I give an example of, it's like, can I get you anything is, like basically, can do you need some groceries? Be specific, you know, or do you need a new refrigerator? You know, say how much you're willing to give, kind of. Like if you're saying, you know, I might have next Tuesday between 1 and 3 open, can I give you a, a, can I sit with your person while you go take a bath? You know, just be specific because they don't want to ask because when a caregiver does ask and then you say no, they'll never ask you again. So it, because it's so hard for them to begin with. You know, financially, yeah, people do the fundraisers and stuff, but I think, and that's great if you can do it, but most, you know, everybody I think is tapped out. These are hard times. So you just, being there for them, offering to tag team, you know, to just fill in, 
kind of organize for them, you know, don't give them anything that they have to put together as a present because it'll never get done. You know, don't give them extra work. So basically right. the handbook is what can I do? It's a, a guide for family and friends uh, to help a caregiver. And it's really simple and as cheap as I could make it. I, occasionally I let them, you know, they put it up for free when I can because it's just really simple ideas. And since I wrote it, that was back in like 2013, I think, or 12, many people have joined the bat ragged and wrote millions of things. And, and I'm glad they took off because um, while I became spokesperson for Rosalind Carter and her Institute for Caregiving, and it was a really a gift for years to bring attention to the needs of caregivers, it uh, wasn't, it was all volunteer. And I just, you know, and then once you're done, I think I, I was, fortunate to MC their 30th anniversary and introduce, introduce President Carter. And I mean, it was just amazing. Um, but it also wasn't my job. So that was the other part of caregiving is that just because you've been through it doesn't mean that you have to lock in the rest of your life. Go back to what made mm-hmm. you joyful. There's some people that want to do it forever and go do talks everywhere and good for them. They should. But um, I think a lot of people don't offer to help because they don't want to get go into the swamp and never get out, you know, so you can maybe offer it in and out. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of people out there that can't handle it emotionally, so that's another. Well, right, and that's okay. So that's what I mean. You say what you can give. It's like, you know, there are people that cannot, will lose their mind if they sat next to somebody in their bed for hours. You know, it's just not what they do. And then the other Mm -hmm. is like, I have a book. They can repeat themselves for a million times, I'm good. It's really your sensibility. But if you can't do it, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you help them right. find somebody who can. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, oh, we thank all you thank you much, for Rachel. putting that out there. You know. For... Oh, well, you're, you're welcome. It's, uh, you know, it's a gift, really, in the end. But right now, there's so many young people that are caring, and um, you know, in their 20s, that are caring for their parents as well as the vets. Um, that are coming back and they're, it's a lot of uh, emotional emotional support they need. And servicemen have a lot of things built in, uh, but over the years, um, it takes a little bit of research. The Rosalind Carter site, rosalindcarter.org, if you, there's a caregiver health guide there, which links to many services that are available and um, people who can guide people on how to find the services that can help them individually. And that's because, you know, so many people don't neglect themselves where they're caregiving and their partner dies, and then they're gone within a few months, and everybody says, oh, it's a broken heart, and it's really a broken body as well because many of them don't watch their own medication. They don't take care of their own intake because everything is for the person they love and feel. So anyway, I can go on and on, and I won't. But um it's uh it's something everybody has to deal with and you know can't be afraid of it. You just have to nourish yourself while you're going through it. Definitely. Great advice. Well thank thank yeah. you, David, for your questions. And now we're gonna move on to, as I say, last but not least, Anthony. <laughs> Good. Good evening. I'm also in New York. I'm in Staten Island, New York. <laughs> oh um, you know, it's Beautiful. What, what show just took place in Staten Island? And a friend of mine was from there. I went, that looks beautiful. Who lives there? <laughs> um, um, his brother, his family an, lives out there. 
It's a beautiful island, and, you know, it's the yeah. fifth forgotten borough, but we don't mind being forgotten in many ways. We still have parks and beautiful beaches, lots of lots of um, gateway and green belts, wow. so it's, it's okay that we're forgotten. You can leave your buildings yeah, in the yeah. other four boroughs. Um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to touch on True Blood for a second. Absolutely oh, loved sure. that character. Loved you on there. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Can you just... Share with us your favorite moments from Oh, my God. Well, you know, I mean, of course, the second season, you know, was like a brilliant thing. And the editor was so kind because he loved my laugh. And uh, mm. they, when they, they decided to uh, create, like, the arc of demise through my character with the main ad who came in and how going crazy. So I kind of built in levels of uh, her losing it more and more and more as, uh, up until, you know, cutting off her finger and giving it as a present to her, which was one of my favorite scenes. That one was really great. And then uh, when I find my finger, um, Ryan Quantin, who's just so lovely, you know, we did the first take and I'm all upset and have a breakdown. Well, initially the man picked me up and then carried me across it, the field because I was so broken up. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God. I said, you understand, we have to do that like 50 more times for every take. You may want to just let me <laughs> lean on you because <laughs> he's a strong guy. Um, but it was really fun. And the whole thing, the wedding and the camaraderie of everybody as we were all losing it and in the middle of the night shooting and, and absurdity of it, but also, you know, the heart of the characters all weave through. Um, so that was all my favorite. And then somehow I didn't get killed. So I'm, I was at the table at the end, and I just thought, oh, it was just so nice. You know, they even gave me a boyfriend in the moment, finally. <laughs> so that was, that was really fun. So I thought, well, if they ever do a movie, I'm still alive. So that's a good thing. What would happen to poor Jane, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved I, I just loved her and I loved playing her and she was just too much fun. Yeah. Well it's Alan, good to know Alan you'd Ball. like to go back. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well Alan Ball, you know, he's a theater man. So there's a when someone the head is from the theater background, the the warmth and the set and the respect for everybody is you know, it's set from the top down. And so it became very much more of a community than stars who were, you know, acting, you know, because, you know, it, it's also, you know, it's a world of vampires, so it's already absurd. Uh, but they were all brilliant and kind, nice people. Nice. Well, congratulations again on the Emmy. I think our listeners, Thank you. we ask a lot, um, and I think our listeners would love to hear from you what it was like to step in the soap world as far as the pacing is concerned and things, you know, how different is it from the other jobs that you've had? And would you go back for another role on another show? Oh, wow. It was um, extremely different. And um, it, but, it, but thankfully I have a stage background, which helps um, in that you, you go from beginning to end. And so when my first day um, I had 54 pages. So compared wow. to maybe you would do six or seven in prime time. It was like 54 pages to have memorized. And you go down, you know, and you walk in and it's like, okay, wardrobe's over there, hair's here, but we're going to go block it right now. And you're going to stand here. So it's all pre-blocked for you. 
and from from the director's point of view, and you're kind of working in reverse rather than motivating your yourself to a place, you know, through an action or your intention. You just the camera's going to be there, and you better figure out how to get there and make it look real. But um, Steve Burton, that's why I thanked him in my speech. You know, we weren't really in a scene together except for like a blink that first day. But he was so kind and and welcoming, and especially at the end of the day. And he said, don't worry, you will, you know, because it's such an intense whirlwind because you block it, you get into makeup, you go up, they reblock it, and then shoot it. And there's no going back to your pages, really, because they're way off, you know, way off the set. And so it's trial by fire. You just hope your brain doesn't explode as you're going to be this character. Um, and Laura Wright was, you know, was lovely. And I, you know, the first day I had to hold her nose and shove pills down her throat. So I said, hi, how are you? And, uh, and she was just, you know, <laughs> and now I'm going to abuse you really fast. And, uh, but she was pretty, you know, she was very strong. You know, she could have been very diva and said, mm, you know, but she said, she was do whatever you got to do. I, whatever it is, give it to me and I'll be there. So that kind of created for the two of us. Okay, you're willing to go to bed. I'm going to torture you. We'll go back and forth. <laughs> we would, <laughs> we would do, um, which was really great. We would do the comedy version before we would shoot it. So as we're running through it, any jokes that were kind of in there, by if you were to say it a little different, uh, we would get out of our system. <laughs> and, so, and then we would shoot the evil version, which was really fun. Um, so it was great. So, but it, but calling a lot of my theater background helped me a lot. And then I would do uh, basically. I started going up early and scoping to watch what their language is because you'll work with maybe do three episodes in a day with three different directors, and each director one. You know, you have to figure out what do they like, what's their slant, so you could work into that. So there's a lot of interpretation really fast, and at, at the but. If you trust yourself and you've been working for a long time, um, then you're, you have the confidence to just go ahead and do it. And they're such brilliant people. And would I go back and do something? Oh, yeah, of course I would. I mean, I just had such a wonderful experience on General Hospital that um, maybe I, I haven't worked in any other sets, so I don't know what the other worlds are. But they're really wonderful actors and know their craft and know, and they're serious and they come in ready and prepared and in my experience, nobody was, um, you know, temperamental. They just came in and mm-hmm. did the work, and, you know, we went home. And so there isn't a lot of time for socializing because for whatever I have, the leads have ten times more. You know, they have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it was so it was very enjoyable. I had a great time, and obviously, you know, I got a great gift from it. So I, I would, yeah, happily, I think. If the role was right, of course. Awesome. Well, you kind of covered my other questions, so I'm going to throw one of my favorite oh. <laughs> standards out. Um, and you have a storied career at this point, so maybe you've already done it, but what is your dream role? You know what? All right. It, it's been done, but if they ever did a remake of it, I would love to do Queen of the Stardust Ballroom. Mm. If, if you've ever, you know, if you remember this one with Maureen Stapleton, yeah. um, and uh, God, it was 
this beautiful is basically it's a woman who's just a widow and tries to get back into life through dancing in this ballroom and it's you know she ends up having this lover and it's a great story but it broke my heart and it was a made for tv movie but pretty much anything maureen stapleton did i love like airport 77 did you see that Um, If you ever get a chance to, she has this amazing scene, you know, because her husband's, you know, going to commit suicide by blowing up a plane. She gets the life insurance policy and she runs into the airport and has this monologue that is incredible. So that type of role I would love to do. And uh, other than that, I, you know, for me, I started in sitcom and I love sitcoms as long as they're funny. I don't like mean humor. I like fun humor. You know, I, I mm-hmm. there was a lot of sitcoms that happened for a while where they're about being mean to people and making fun of them. And I, I like the, you know, not necessarily Mary and Tyler Moore, but, you know, the, where it was a group of people and it was just funny, real-life situations. And I love the live audience. You know, they do a lot of single camera, which is great, but there's nothing like a live audience. All right. How about a million? A million dream roles. How's that? thank you so much and again congratulations on the emmy it was so very well deserved just by the feedback you saw online you know you did your job but it's got to be amazing to go collect that statue oh oh my god it it was truly what i said you know i don't know maybe i I said i should retire or something because i don't know how it could get better it was just um it was love really wonderful to get the recognition and and uh you know and and to have had so much fun with the role and then have this happen at the end of it is really nice because a lot of times you suffer and they give you, you know, it's like, oh, that's great. But oh, it was worth, you know, cutting myself. <laughs> so the, <laughs> but it was all beautiful. So thank you very much. Thank you. And we want to thank you so much for joining us again tonight. We really appreciate it. We would hope that you'll keep in touch with us and and uh, let us know when your um, your I, well, television series or movies or whatever comes to light, and then yeah. we'll be following you. Well, and tell our listeners where they can find you. Thank oh, you. everything. Uh, I'm, I'm on everything at Patricia Bethune. So it's just my name. It's pretty easy. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Awesome. Occasionally you'll see me having a nice cocktail. Please find me. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <Not too. laughs> you guys have been great. Thank you so much for spending time. This has oh, been lovely. You've been delightful. Oh. Thank you for coming. Thank Sorry. you. Well, good luck with the rest of the show. We'll talk again. Absolutely. Thank you. Enjoy your night. All right. Thanks. Bye now. Right. Bye-bye. Well, as Gosh. usual, our our guests really are a delight to speak with. I mean, you learn things that you don't normally know about and you know, I'm not sure that the listeners are aware, but, you know, we do research and try to come up with different questions about different things. It's not always possible, and sometimes you might hear a repeat question that you've heard on another show or on a blog or something, but, uh, you know, it's still fun to ask and hear it um, because maybe you heard it, but we didn't, you know? <laughs> 
And it's really, you know, I I just want to highlight the point that I think everybody who's come here, especially, especially people that have dropped into the soap world and aren't necessarily a long-standing member, you know, they highlight how, even though how hard the work is, what a great experience it is. And, you know, it's, we've got four left. It's a medium that does, has never gotten and still doesn't get the respect it deserves. So when you hear a conversation like we just had, what a gift that was for her, um, it just highlights, it highlights for all of us soap fans, the, you know, the wonderfulness that is soap. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, there still are people out there that, you know, put their nose down or up in the air or whatever to doing a soap. And, and if they just tried it, they'd be amazed at what they could learn, even if they think they have learned everything they can. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, they, even the watching audience, there's something for everyone. There's comedy, there's drama, there's tragedy, there's, you know, celebration. And, you know, all, all four of the shows that, you know, are on network and a lot of the web series, they pick their social issues to highlight sometimes in a somewhat campy way, sometimes, you know, all out for the drama, the tears, and possible Emmy Awards. But this this is the only genre that, you know, you get a full and complete glimpse of all the kind of lives that are out there. You know, every single show has some sort of LGBTQ representation right now. Every single show has a diverse cast. Every single show is not only bringing people back from the dead, but teaching us what it's like to be a caregiver, teaching us what it's like to mourn, teaching us what it's like to lose a first love. And, you know, even if, even if we don't learn anything just by osmosis, we get to feel and we get an idea of what somebody, I know a young person right now who is going through the possibility of losing his first love and just by osmosis, it reminds me, reach out, just ask how they're doing. Just, just remember that as busy and as crazy as my own personal life gets. And that, you know, honestly, that's God's honest truth watching Oscar and, and that, you know, that beautifully told story. It reminds me to check in and see how my cousin and, 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 you know, his friend are doing. So it's right. it's it's a beautiful medium to be a part of, honestly. And I'm so glad that we do this yeah. show and we highlight the positives. We don't allow bashing. We we try it every step of the way to encourage and entice our listeners to give as much positive feedback as possible. Right, exactly. Because we all know that if you complain enough, you can lose your show altogether. And you know. It, like, I'm waiting for Candace to call in before we discuss this, but, you know, right now with The Bold and the Beautiful, this storyline has been going on forever, and it's just a circle. It just keeps going and going, and they're saying the same thing over and over, and it's the same characters. And for the first time in my life, I've wanted to shut the TV off. And 
that oh, says wow. a lot because I have never felt that way ever. Um, yeah. It's just it's because it's so aggravating to watch the same storyline every single day for how long. Will I shut it off? No. Will I continue to watch? Yes. Why? Because I know it's going to turn around. They always I think do. If, I think if they had, you know, I can't, I can't talk to the process there. I've never been invited into their world. But I think if their storyboarding and their outlining were done in a little bit better way, we wouldn't have the same conversation happening days in a row, you know, between every single, every single secondary character having to express the same opinion. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what's frustrating people the most because it's a harsh material. And if there were more movement in the actual storyline, it might not feel so harsh. It might feel a little bit more edge of your seat, almost Melrose Placey. And I think right, that's what they were. Right. That's what they were hoping mm-hmm. for. But by the fact that you know everybody in the very small you know city of Los Angeles, according to Bold and Beautiful, that everybody that we see in that city has something to say about Liam Hope. And, and the situation that's going on, it makes it feel stagnant. And it, had, it has the possibility, just today I was seeing stuff online where there's basically going to be a death at the end of this storyline. So now everybody's speculating, who could it be? And, you know, is it going to be a throwaway death or somebody impactful on the canvas? You know, honestly, at this point, it would have, you know, it would have to be somebody like Thomas or, or God forbid, hope herself to really be impactful because of how long this is dragging out. Right. And you know what? Again, it wouldn't be so bad if they had another storyline going. You know, like General Hospital is so, so good at that. There's more than one storyline going on, and it keeps you watching because you you don't know what's going to come up next, you know? And it's such a, a faster-paced um, soap opera. Um, even Young and the Restless, too, there's multiple storylines going on. And right now, Bold and the Beautiful has one storyline, and that's it. And you can only watch it so many times, flow and, um, you know, uh, oh, gosh, I can't even think of names right now. Um, the other ones involved with the baby switch, Flo and um, Zoe. Who did you say? Zoe. 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 And her boyfriend. Zoe. Yeah. Xander. Yeah. Zoe's boyfriend, Xander. You know, you can only watch so many times them saying, oh, my God, we got to tell her the truth. No, you don't have to tell her the truth. No, we're going to go to prison. No, my dad's going to go to prison. I mean, that's all it's been for weeks on end. Yeah. And did anybody seriously think that Thomas was going to tell the truth? I didn't believe that for one second. And sure enough, he's using no, it to his advantage. You know, honestly, and they forget to tell they forget to tell secondary stories. What's happening with Quinn and Eric right now? What's going on with Well, that's Pam? what I'm saying. If they had multiple yeah. storylines, it wouldn't be so bad. 
you know. Um, I don't know. It's just making you me know, crazy. And and to, to, you know, to talk to your point on it's making you crazy and to give the bold and the beautiful a little bit of props in a dark time, I think, they are the world's number one show. And they are phenomenally popular across – it's a nighttime soap in many countries. So, you know, they are – writing for an audience that's larger than just the American soap audience. And sometimes that becomes a little frustrating for us. Well, many times it becomes a little frustrating for us, but um, they are, they are reaching a huge audience and it doesn't always translate to, you know, our way of watching soap. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. there's a lot of people out there that watch only one soap or only two soaps, and they don't realize how other soaps work, whereas we watch them all. I, I think, you know, the hardcore soap fans have embraced all four shows. They may not watch all no, four yeah, every day. That's all there is. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot – I hear a lot online – that they'll drop in for a storyline, um, especially the Young and the Restless in General Hospital, when they both introduced their Alzheimer's storylines. They got a lot of, of drop-in fan um, participation because they were interested in how that storyline was going to unfold. Um, you know, a lot with the, <laughs> how do we call them, the, the shuffling cast of soap actors going back and forth will yeah. bring, you know, a fresh audience as well. And maybe the bold and the beautiful can take a look at the other three shows and, you know, introduce something socially relevant underneath their, you know, their main storyline to give, you know, to give a heart, you know, a heart. I think the heart of this story is gone. They had a chance. They had us by, they had us by, by the seat. We were, re- you know, we cried. We, we were ready for redemption, but at this point, it's like, right. just get the truth out and get it over with. We don't even, the reunion scene is not going to be as impactful as it would have been a month ago at this point. Right. And, you know, my right. personal opinion, I was just saying to David before we came on air, I believe that they're generating this story to the point where hope is, is just um, committed. And so she can't get her baby back. And that sets up a second wave of a legal battle because she's in the institution and she's out of the institution, but is she fit to care for her baby and all of that? And the baby's now bonded with, it, you know, with the family, with, with Steffi and, and, you know, and her other child. So, you know, they said that this story was going to encompass, you know, it's a year-long story. So if the second wave of this is a big legal battle, I think that's really going to disappoint and upset fans too. And it's, yeah. it's kind of scary to to watch the numbers. Um, you know, they dropped the ball with the Spectre storyline. Um, they obviously dropped the ball with the return and the brief return and the craziness of the brief return with Sheila, which could have been absolutely explosive. Um, you know, and to focus on this, I keep saying, what's in the water out there? Because, you know, it's, yeah. Well, you know what, with the Sheila thing, it, it, yeah, it was a disappointment, but I don't think they could have did a whole lot more with her since the actress is is busy doing, you know, other things. So, 
But, the but there's still more people. There's still more people in a people in the canvas. You know. Yeah, no, I'm but even with... even the wasted time that she was there sitting in a car with Charlie. Oh, right, right. Not that he's not a great right. actor or anything, but those scenes, you know, scrap those scenes and give us some some real catnies. You know, it was all yeah. Eric. I'm a good girl now. Eric, I'm a good girl now. For weeks on end, I would have rather seen yeah. one scene. Eric, I'm a good girl now, and the next scene, she's ripping Quinn by the hair and throwing her off the balcony. Um, you know, that, that would have impacted so much, so much more than, you know, I mean, Bold and the Beautiful is great with their shoptastic Fridays. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, yeah. you know, Quinn killing Katie. I mean, you know, for that weekend, it was like, oh my God, Heaven's Harm is leaving? <sighs> People honestly did not, did not understand that was a dream. And we were all like, it has to be. It has to be fantasy. It has to be dream. This can't be. She's not going anywhere. But the way they did it, it was so purposeful. And then that fell mm-hmm. flat. That yeah. storyline was gone in a week. And they could have played those beats while weaving in other stories for a good couple of months. Yeah. Well, Candace is here, so go ahead and put your two cents in, Lady Jane, because I know you're ready. Hey, <laughs> hey Candace, girl. Hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, I agree with you about this whole baby storyline. I, I was one of those who was like, okay, this is epic. This is like throwback to old school, bold and beautiful. But the beat, it's not adding up. I mean, with Thomas, okay, he's, he's creepy. He has a mental issue. I need the bold to address that, too, because a lot of fans may not know that, you know, Thomas does kind of have a, a mental disorder, in my opinion. Two, mm-hmm. the custody battle, you know that's going to happen. It, because you're going to have the, the families divided again regarding something. So, you know, in the history of Bone and Beautiful, it's going to be a custody battle. Um, all I can say is, Anika Noel, get that Emmy nod for next year because if she doesn't do yep. something Amen. for her performance, I mean, I know a lot of fans are very divided about this storyline, but I think everybody can, can agree. Anika has been carrying the storyline for close to a year now. We're probably getting right. to that year mark, you know? Yeah. So I hope she, you know, gets rewarded somehow, some way. Okay. Let's see what else. Y'all talking about other stories, the Sheila Carter storyline falling flat. Yeah, it did. But again, it wasn't their fault. And that's why I think a lot of fans have to understand is that Kimberly had other options. You know, she had something else to take care of. Right, Could they have right. re, you know, they left it kind of open to see if she was going to return. And who knows, down the line, she may come back if, you know, everything is, you know, taken care of. The right, one right. story that I, that I think Bold and the Beautiful really needs, actually, it's two people. And we had one of them. We had, actually had both of them on the show. Maya and Rick. Yeah. I'm sorry. You yep. cannot tell me as a viewer who's been watching Bowling the Beautiful since day one when her nana said, What is this map? Can tell me that you can't have more than one story on the show. Mm-hmm. At this point you could have had Rick and Maya with all the stuff that's going on with Forrester. It's like, you know what, you guys need to take a break, we'll handle it. We'll run the company. And then we can see Rick's version of Forrester getting more numbers than Stuffy and Rick, Rich, um, you know, take over. Then Eric has to make a decision like, hmm, okay, what's best for business here? 
You could have had all that. We talked about it on the show with Jacob Young. For those who didn't check that show out, go into the archives. Listen to what I did. Because the thing is, is that there was so much with Maya and Rick that I don't, I really don't understand. I think that's another thing that's irking me about Bone the Beautiful, especially now with this baby storyline. Where's Rick? He would not abandon his baby sister like this in the time. No mm-hmm. way. Mm-mm. So. I could just, just drop Maya in and poof, they're divorced. That was like. Right. Know, disrespect to the, to the fans that went through that journey with, with them. We still don't even know why they broke up, why they got a divorce. We, we really go. Nope. They just let it drop and let us left us hanging. And, and it's thing. not for it's not for either one of those actors not wanting to work. And we took an emotional investment in a her story, you know, her storyline, but also in him falling, him understanding why she kept her secret, him, you know, embracing and loving the fact that, you know, she was a strong, beautiful person, woman, entity, and it didn't matter where she came from and how she mm-hmm. came from. She had, you know, a, par- a set of parents that one was supportive and one wasn't. I mean, they, they took us on the journey and then, poof, they're divorced, and then Maya's gone again. It, it, it right. felt like a really hard disrespect. Yeah, I mean, the fact is with Maya, I mean, I don't know if you guys have saw it. TVLine.com posted the um, 10 greatest uh, all-time, all-time, let me say that again, all-time bold and beautiful characters. Maya was on that list. Mm-hmm. And the th- so that tells you something, and yes, I'm going to say this for all of those who don't know, that you know, when you think about Bold and Beautiful's history, like the top stories that really made viewers just like really invested, you cannot tell me that Maya's story did not drop, you know, like rope oh. in people to, to to watch. I mean, they we still talk about how long has it been? Like four, four years? Has it been four years? Has it been? Four, Probably four, around there, already? yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that you, like you said, you had her drop in, and then Rick and Maya all of a sudden divorced. What, what, what was the problem? Like, I need for Brad Bell, hey, Brad, how you doing, to address that. I get it. You want to recreate history by having a triangle, like you did in the early part of Bold and Beautiful Days. But guess what? Newsflash. A lot of fans aren't like that anymore. We want to see movement. We want to see some effort because I personally, I like Hope. I'm disappointed that we haven't grown, like her growing. I like yep. Liam. I can't stand the fact that they, they de-dumped him. Yeah, mm-hmm, I said de-dumped. Yes, I did. Um, Steffi, <laughs> you know, she is, quote-unquote, and I always said this, the Kim Kardashian of Bone and Beautiful. I can't even take that anymore. Like, to me, they not only ruined the characters individually, in my opinion, but the whole story, the whole trial, I can't anymore. It's just like well, that's, six months later, that's, who's going to be with Liam? That's your hope. Yeah, that's six months right. that. Somebody yeah. in that writer's room has to stand up and say, we have reinvented the triangle in every way we possibly can, we now have a baby stealing storyline to justify a triangle. You know, there's nothing left to do as far as triangles are concerned. 
We'll have another one down the road because naturally storyline will generate it. But just to create these storylines to keep triangles going, it, we need a new formula. We have milk, the cow, the cow yep. is dry. There's no more Cremora. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, there's, there's no more in that cow. There's nothing left. It's, you know, it's time to move in a new direction. And they had, they had the opportunity when they re- when they reintroduced the Spectres. Let's bring right. it back to business. Let's bring it back to, you know, the rivalry rather than, right. you know, two triangles or one triangle and, and you know, we're just going to go on and on. We have been I mean, watching when, Liam, Hope, and Stephanie. When's the last time you saw a dollar bill? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't well, remember right think, now. When's the last Pam, time? Think about but, it for a second. But you know what? We've been watching Liam, Hope, Stephanie for eight years. This is eight yeah. years of Liam Hope Steffi. I mean, oh they threw a little Wyatt in there. Wait a minute. And that's wait a minute. Boy, oh, Hold my up. God. Anthony, Anthony, wait, uh-huh. wait, wait. It really hasn't been eight because you got to count when Hope left, okay? Right. And it was Ivy. It was Ivy. Put Ivy in there mm-hmm. because I think the, the problem is, is that everybody has done everybody. You had, you had, okay, let me go through this. Okay. You really had Hope Oliver, Steffi Oliver. Right? That's what Oliver was the first. Right. Oliver was the first. Right. Then you had um oh shoot. Hope Liam Thomas. Hope Liam Steffi. Steffi Steffi Liam, help me out. Hope. But then it was Steffi Ivy. Wyatt Liam. Oh right. Wyatt. Wyatt. Yep. Yeah. Wyatt Hope Liam Hope. Yeah, wait, yeah, because Hope and Wyatt got married because Stuffy interfered with that. Yeah, okay. Then you had the, you know what, I'm fired. <laughs> because yeah, the thing don't, is. Don't, and you should be. You should be because it, right, it's because been three it, central characters that just keep bed hopping with a secondary person once in mm-hmm. a while, but really within the three beds. And as beautiful mm-hmm. as, it, you know, as beautiful as it was to watch with Brooke, Ridge, Kayla, oh, Daddy Ellis, Caroline, uh, once in a while, Thorn, Caroline, um, Caroline, you know, what, it, it, as much as it was beautiful to watch back then, you know, we're now going on almost 30 years of the same story. And as much as I love all the characters on there, you know, it's time to bring in some new blood and shake it up. Give Steffi a new man. But, Tim, see, this is the problem that I have with Bone and Beautiful. Well, here's the thing. I want to go back. I'm going to go back into time. Okay, let's go back mid-2000s. They had had new blood. The problem is is that at the end of the day, okay, and this is how I look at Bone and Beautiful, out of the four soaps, Bone and Beautiful is the most real soap because it's set in real time in a real place. To me, I feel as though, especially if it's dealing with fashion, you need a you need like a whole bowl of soup, meaning you need a lot of people swimming around because Bold and Beautiful only has what six people in there. So Los Angeles only mm-hmm. has six people, y'all. I didn't know that. Yeah. When they introduced new families, and you know the beginning families was you know the Spencers and Forces, then they added the Spectres, then it was um oh shoot Hector, Gabriella, oh, I can't think of the other girl's name. But they, oh, Thomas yeah. was with her. You you know who I'm talking about. 
and then they introduce other people. The thing is, is that Boulder people, Boulder people really needs is a reset. If Dave can do it, General Hospital, even Young and Russell can do it. Boulder needs a major reset. They even need yeah. to bring in new characters, like or bring back new, bring back the favorites that we've been asking for. Where's Deacon? Where is Amber? Okay, mm-hmm. I would have took it that Amber and Rick met up in Paris and Amber seduced Rick. And that's how yep. I and Rick's divorce happened. How yep. was that for me to come up that with? That would be nice. Okay. Where is, like, what if there's some drama? Let's get some drama the fact that really Ridge is not a technical forester, that he's a Maroney. Yep. Like, let's bring in Nick Maroney. Let's have a court battle or something regarding the money issue. To me, Bold needs new ideas and I'm sorry, Red. I know you're trying. You, you, you. Actually, you've done it. You've actually proved that you can carry on your own legacy without being under your parents' legacy. And I applaud you for that. Because sometimes that's hard to do to be to get out of the shadows of a famous spouse, parent, daughter, whatever. But I'm saying this out of love and respect as a as a a viewer who's been watching since she was five years old. That's what I was just going to say. We're not bashing them to bash them. No, we're we're not. We're just saying, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to see a soap canceled. I want to be real Mm -hmm. about this. I don't want to see it, even though, like, they're the, the, you know, second highest show, you know, in the U.S. I'm thinking about the U.S. I'm not thinking about global, worldwide. Here's the thing, and I always tell the people, just because you're number one, just because you're number two, number three or four, the way things are right now, you never know what's going to happen. Bona Beautiful yep. needs to get their act together. I love that show. I love the scenery. I love the beautiful people. They have a talented cast, but we need some new. We need some new storylines. We need new blood. We need something because I'm falling asleep. Right. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. That, that felt so good to get out. Woo! Thank you. Yep. <laughs> no. Let's stay on the let's stay in the CBS, CBS family and hop over to Genoa City, where okay. I, I really feel they are delivering on the promises that were not maybe spoken, but were definitely implied when the new regime took hold. Um, I feel no, I'd, li- they, I'd like to start off with something. With everyone. go ahead, David. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm a little disappointed with the Adam story. And I might be in the minority. No, you're not. And huh? I'll tell you what. And I'll tell you why. One one reason is, well, I'm still a little stuck on Justin. And one scene comes to mind between Justin and Joshua, and that was that prison scene where he, back then, he had Nick promise to take care of Connor and all that. And I like that warm thing. And now it's not there. And I No, not at all. I'm speaking, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm speaking like, just like uh, Eric Braden did as Victor the other day because he wanted his family to come together and thought it would be a happy occasion that their brother is alive. And that's that's mm-hmm. that's disheartening to me. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I when, I can, yeah. you know, all he wants is, is revenge and all he wants yeah. is his kids, which I understand that. But mm-hmm. if you're going to go back in, in history, like you said, where they, you know, he said, please take care of Connor and that, <sighs> then he should have came back and been, you know, nicer to Nick instead of, you know, trying to take him out to get his son back. I mean, I can understand fighting with Victoria because, you know, that's just who they are with the Newman Enterprises, the kind of thing. But um, to go at Nick like that, instead of being grateful that he's taking care of his son for this amount of time while he was gone, there's none of that. There's no love. Okay. Now, I got to speak to that because they're really never, you know, that that scene – that David talked about was a beautiful scene, but it was an aberration. There really was never a brotherly bond and a brotherly love there. Um, And I think that they did, to a certain extent, look back at history and say, okay, what Adam do we want to bring back here? And having said that, I want to piggyback it also with the the decline of Phyllis. Because what they're doing, it might be unfortunate in our moment of history right now, while we're sitting here watching it, it might it might make us frustrated and, and sad and or angry, but they're setting up the room for so much story to tell going forward. Adam was never a touchy-feely character. Adam is a hedgehog. There's an underbelly that you can like when he gets around people that bring that out of him, but they've got to literally go and get poked through all the quills to get to that underbelly. Adam was never touchy-feely, and they're setting up they're setting up that character to be the foil because there's no true bad guy on the canvas right now. There's nobody right. and really I'm, bringing. And let me just add, to, just let <clears throat> me add to that. There's, I'm not disappointed. I'm just kind of surprised at the way things are going. Go yeah, ahead. but I, yeah. if you, I, but if you mirror that, I'm really not surprised because they, you know, they needed to take a strong standpoint as to how they're going to change. The direction of the, I mean, they wasted a year and a half on a storyline that, that gave them virtually nothing. Um, you know, it, it did well at the Emmys, God bless. But in the fan world, you know, it, it has much more negativity than positivity associated with it. So, you know, they killed the, the gentle, kind Phyllis, setting up for, you know, when, when Michelle takes Phyllis back, she's going to be taking Phyllis back with a vengeance. They set up Adam to come back in this vengeful way. They're, you know, they're bringing back uh, Chloe and Kevin. We, we can only imagine, based upon what they're throwing out at us, that this is you know, an all-encompassing storyline you know, that's going to bring Michael and Lauren back to the forefront, so on and so forth. You know, we're done with Victor and Jack for a while. Thank you, Jesus. We're done with, with them. You know, there's not much more they can do with that. I mean, the man hired you know, a psychopath to play Jack, you know, doppelganger. There's not much more story they can tell between those two men. So thankfully they are moving in a better direction. They're bringing back some, some key characters we needed, including softies like Paul, which is wonderful. But they need to have, they need to have that bad, that, not bad. They need to have that foil element to keep it interesting. And what better character than Adam? And so she comes back because you know she's coming back with a vengeance. You can you can see it, you can feel it if you've been watching The Young and the Restless long term. Candy girl. 
okay, you know, I, right? I got to get on this soapbox. Here's the thing. <clears throat> as a person who actually enjoys when a character, I feel it's okay with Adam. I'm going to start with Adam. For me personally, I didn't want them to bring him back because in all honesty, I knew that they were going to either have him have a memory loss or something to put him back into the forefront of, you know, the young and the restless. I get it. You need a bad guy. But here's the thing. I have been watching it since Chris Eager had played and then Michael Muni and then Justin Harley and now Mark. My thing is, is that if you're going to bring a character back, bring it back all full circle, meaning show us that this character has actually grown, but still is a little sneaky, still a little devious. The thing is about with the scene that you were talking about with Nick and Adam, the thing is, is that they didn't want Victor to get that child. That was the thing. They didn't want Victor mm-hmm, to touch that mm-hmm. child because they knew yeah. that when Victor yeah. touches something, it is even going to turn into gold or it's going to turn into crap. So that's where that comes from. However, when I was when I saw the return of Adam, I'm like, where is this obsession coming from of getting Christian? Because I'm like, mm, no, you changed the fraternity to make it so that Nick was the father. Like, I know my history about Young and the Russell. I also know what Nick did, yeah. too, to Victor and whatnot. I like the way they're playing it, but at the same time, when I'm looking at Adam, I'm just like, okay, so we went back into 2008 right now. We went back into 2009. We skipped a whole chapter of Adam Newman that needs to be addressed. And that's well, what I think, for me, speaking for me personally, I'm just like, okay, I get that you're leaning on Sharon. I get it. I understand that. I have some things about that, too. But to me, as a writer, and I know Josh, that was Josh Griffin's baby with Adam Newman. I know that. But at the same time, do not erase a, a majority of, of his growth, of character growth. Because I think as soap viewers, we're, we're like, wait a minute, hold up. But we we kind of moved on. Then we then, then I mean, you can go back to it. You you can you you know you can go forward, but don't forget some key elements here because there was. And I get what you're saying, Anthony. I get it. You need a baddie, but just like Chloe, you know, Chloe, we we knew Chloe was a little sneaky, little little something. Okay, we we had that, and we've seen the growth of Chloe, her descending to craziness, you know. But you cannot, in my opinion, when you establish a character's growth like you did when Justin was playing Adam, and, yeah, he had a soft side. That was his hope side. I always say that. That was his hope side. Yes. You need to keep that when you go ahead and you bring the character back. Because unless to me, all this revenge, well, there's a real a bigger be, reason. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to take a page from Days of Our Lives for just one second. You have a character that had 30 years of sobriety who just fell off the wagon in a, in a grand old fashion. Nobody would have thought that anything could rock Maggie. So we don't know what psychological... In, you know, elements he's had to deal with since he's been gone. I mean, he was set on fire in a cabin. He's been separated basically from his legacy and family and so on and so forth. So, you know, the reason could be a thousandfold in the history that we don't know about while he's been off the canvas 
And that's why he snapped back to the Adam who came to Genoa City full force sneaky bastard. And who does who he's leaning on versus who does he who's he claiming to want revenge on and who does he really want revenge on could also be playing you know, into the storyline going forward. So that it doesn't quite feel right and make sense today, but for the bigger story, it's all gonna it's all gonna be moving parts of a puzzle and, that look a lot better and, in a month or two. And I now. hope you're right. I hope you're right because I'm gonna I'm just gonna speak for myself. I feel as though I'm about to be set up for something. And it's not going to be good. I feel as though it's a set, and I'm just saying, and y'all know this is painful for, for me to say this because y'all know I like Young and the Rosses. I'm just looking at this, I'm like, okay, put the past behind you, Candace. Do not remember certain things. And it's just like every time that I watch Adam and when he brings up certain things from like a couple of years ago, I'm like, you know what? Wait a hold up, time out. Um, no, they, they kind of got past that point. No, Adam, you you didn't do this. No, wait, you and Adam, you and Victoria actually like you had some moments. So unless it's like a big like somebody's trying to kill me or somebody threatened you know somebody or I don't know. I, I hope Josh. I hope he has really thought about the end game of that story arc because oh, if okay. not then then you're really going to have a lot of fans because some fans are questioning what's going on. It's like, okay, wait a minute, why, why are we going this route? Why are we doing this? And I feel and that's so, why I want to be the voice of reason tonight and tell the fans, right. hold out. Give, give Josh a little more time. Give the storyline, give everything that's going on a little more time because I, I do believe, my, I have a personal theory, I do believe that it's, it's all going to come back on Victor. I do believe that this this gentle kind of Victor is um, about to come into a big shock from all his children, but that's my personal feeling, knowing how I Josh writes. I think it's going to be Endgame that Adam is going to be the one to say is Victor, like his blood or something. That's what I'm thinking because it's it's too much. Like right now, by the way, kudos to Eric Braden because. Yes. You know, yes. I, 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 just, if y'all saw the scene, and when he was, he said he was, he vowing to fight. Spoiler, he's vowing to fight, and I'm like, you fight, Victor. You don't give up. But you know, watching, yeah, watching today's scene where he was so vulnerable, it was just, yeah. I mean, it just it breaks your heart because you know how strong he's been since he's been on the show. And when he put his fists up like that, it blew me away. It blew me think, away. But that's but what the know fans what the, were asking for, and they're delivering piece by piece. They're giving us all the stuff we've been saying the last year. Where is the Victor? Where is this? Where is that? How are we going to redeem Victor and Nikki? You know, piece by piece. You know what, I'm gonna tell you something though. There's a double stand. I gotta. I have to speed the other voice of reason here. I think Young and the Ruffles fans are actually still concerned, okay? Because you know, a year ago there was so many going, you know, a fan favorite that it was just like it was heart wrenching. It was like, oh my god, this person is leaving the show. This person is leaving the show. 
And then you have Eric Braden, okay? And the thing is, is that <laughs> right now while we're watching this, some fans are questioning, is he leaving the show? And we don't know, by the I way. Know. We well, I can't, say, I can't say that thought didn't cross my mind. Right. It's like kind of because you've seen him, like when he had the scene when he fell down the steps and he had the stroke and everything like that. And then he left the show. Remember, he was gone for a, a period of time. We know why. He was on vacation under a contract. But it kind of right. cross, it does cross your mind. It's like, okay, look, Eric Braden is in a certain age now. And, you know, the way this soap works, the soaps, you know, sometimes will have a, get, prepare a song song, a song song for that actor to leave. And it's kind of like, okay, wait a minute. We just dealt with a health crisis for Victor a year ago. Now we're doing this. And like I said, if they're going to try to go ahead and do the redemption of the Victor and Adam story to have Adam save Victor, okay. But at the same time, like today, that scene broke me. Like I cried because I realized that there is going to come a time where I'm not going to see Eric Brayton on television anymore. And right. that's the thing, you know, and with the soap world as it is, you, like I said, you don't know who's coming, who's going, and, and who's getting ready to retire. And it just, in, in that moment, I also realized that Victor is that he wants his children, the legacy, from day one, he's wanting yep. his children to carry on the legacy of a strong person. And for Vic, you know, for Adam and Nick and Victoria and Abby. By the way, I was glad to see Abby being there because she always mm-hmm. is the last one to know everything. I was just like, you know what? This is the legacy he wants. He wants the children. He wants to see all of them come together, even for a split second. But at the same time, as as far as the whole Adam thing goes, I'm just like, okay, like you need to, if you can show growth with Abby, Victoria, and Nick then I need to see Adam, like, continue what he had a couple of years ago and merge with his badness. Like I said, he's both Hope and Victor's child. He could do – he could play. Right now, he's he's being like Victor. Okay. But don't don't forget how he was. Don't forget the relationship he had formed. That's all I have to yeah. say about it as a fan. It's you know, well, and like, you know what? It's, like about, it's about time. It's about time that – Victoria walks out the door. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's if anything, she too. should be the how one. How long has Victoria ever really lasted at Newman? And how long has she ever really had a stable, a stable coexistence with Victor, with Nick, and with Adam? You know, there's periods of time where it's beautiful and it's, and it's you know it feels like it's longevity. But the history shows when the going gets tough. Either Victoria gets kicked or Victoria gets walking, and you know it looks about like it looks about. Well, like I like, like I she's like what Abby told. I like what Abby told her. You know, get out yeah. where you can and do something. You know, for yourself and yeah. and you know, look how Abby has grown and got her own restaurant and things going. Yeah. I love this, it's and, just and I money. think this is something. And and I think you know, and then Nick walked away, and he's got his own company, and and um, you know, if 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 Victor is so adamant about having Adam run the company, and Victoria is surely not going to work for Adam, unless of course nope. she bows down and she does it, but 
you know, now is her time to take her stand and say, you know what, that's it, I'm done, and really be done this time. Yeah, and really be done this time, exactly. Mm -hmm. She's scared. She's scared to do it. Because Mm -hmm. I I was thinking about that, too, just now. Like, there was a scene this week where Nick and Victor, and that was some good, where Nick was talking about Dark Horse, and Victor was like, oh, you mean the money that you stole from me to start your own company? Like, you know, like, yeah, history lesson, folks. Nick used Mm -hmm. Victor's money to open his. And then on top of that, you know, I was thinking about when Victor gave the 500000 to each of his mm-hmm. kids. Abby mm-hmm. is the only one who still has her money. Like, she didn't spend yep. it. She didn't blow it like Nick. The thing is, is that with Victoria, she knows she can do a business for her. She knows that. But she's worried that she's going to make her daddy not happy. And there was a line a couple of months yep. ago from Billy when he said, yep. who are you aiming to yep. please, yourself yep. or your father? Because nobody's going to make you happy but yourself. That's Victoria's problem. She wants right. the... That's been her problem the, all her life. Yeah. Right. She wants that... I mean, she already has the title of Victor Jr., but she can't it's, go through with it. She can't be ruthless. And I think that's the problem. Like, I would love to see Victoria. I always thought Victoria and Abby should have went into business together. But at the same time, I was like, no, because I can see Victoria screwing that up. I mean, you know, I think she's scared because of the whole brass and sassy situation. You know, well, and another thing, too, I mean, this would have been a perfect time for her to be ruthless and show her father that she could be that person. Instead yep. of giving Adam the money and the phone number, she should have tore his butt apart. Mm-hmm. And then you have Nick. I mean, last year's Mal Young's Nick was 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 the Nick that I was kind of been waiting. I was waiting for a long time stuff for the Scooby Doo mm-hmm. mask. But I love the fact that Nick was pushed to the limits, and I love that line too when he was like, "You did everything to push me, and I finally went off yeah. the deep end, and this is what I am." And I was like, Nick mm-hmm. finally tapped into his dark side. Now he's he's discombobulated. He's he's trying to be the man, but at the same time, he's 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 Nick. Victoria has to go there. Victoria needs to get that push. I don't know what else can push her to I get to that ruthless. I mean, I always joke and says Nick has Nikki's heart, meaning Nick can't go ruthless. I was proven wrong last year. When I said, mm-hmm. when, when I saw Nick do that, but now Victoria is, she saw, she saw. There yeah. I said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need yeah. therapy. I think she she's softer than she's softer than um, Nick. It, uh, no, not Nick. Um, Ooh, Abby. 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 Abby's her mother. Abby's child. grown. Abby's grown. Yeah, yeah. But, Abby's definitely. Abby has grown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Abby is a true Abbott when it comes down to. I mean, she may have that Newman name, but that is all Abbott in her. Yeah, the way she carries I herself totally and the and the way she op- she runs a business because think about it, Abby has had some she's, successful she's like things. Jack. She's like Jack, pretty much. Stuff she, but she wouldn't be stupid to sell the company though. Yeah, she wouldn't be. Uh-uh. She would be smart. She's a smart cookie. She had the what was it the naked heiress? She got money and she did that was on her own. 
Then she did, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. She's not – she's smart. That's John. Go, go ahead, Abby. Do your thing, girl. Yep, totally agree. Well, we have we could talk about the Young and Restless forever, but it's um, we got thirty minutes left, so let's hit GH and then you guys talk days. <laughs> well, General Hospital, General Hospital, General Hospital. I I have to say I absolutely loved yesterday's episode. Um, you know, giving us. We haven't seen that kind of soap in a couple of years where the plot unfolds after the plot's already unfolded. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, 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 was, I was really, really pleasantly surprised on that um, in, in the best way possible. Um, unfortunately, Candace, I have, to, I have to eat a little crow here and, mm-hmm. and give you back the props for the Oscar storyline. You know, what... what started out to be, to me, a beautiful, you know, well-written, well-done, is now, okay, you know, we're carrying the torch for a character we've known for a year. Um, right. They should have just left Drew and Kim, God forgive me, because I like both of those actors very, very, very much, but they should have just left them off screen. Boring, not interested, don't feel it. There's not a, there's, there was, you, were, you were absolutely right. I was invested in Oscar, Josh, and Cameron. I wasn't invested right. as much All right, as I Anthony, thought I I'm was. Gonna have to, I'm going to have to hang up on you in about one second. If you talk about leaving Billy Miller off the canvas, uh, we're not friends anymore. I don't care if he's sitting <laughs> in the corner reading a dictionary. Okay, Pam, I'm actually – you might as well just get ready to put me off. Here's the thing. I not real quick. I gotta say this. I I love Billy Miller, right? I do. And I thought, you know, the thing is, they don't call him Killer Miller for anything. And to me, I feel as though General Hospital has done. I don't know what happened because you cannot tell me that a three-time Emmy Award winner who dominates in emotional scenes, as we all saw, who has chemistry with a lot of people. You can't come up with a story. He actually is supposed to be well, in I'm another storyline. I'm not saying line. that he shouldn't. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm, you know, he should definitely have a storyline and one that's, you know, got bite to it. Um, you know, but no, I. What I'm I, saying I, I is, what, I'm they don't know what to do with him right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait a minute. I'm know. just gonna say, with these many they don't know what to do phenomenal with actors as they have on this canvas to waste time in a hotel room saying the same things that they were saying two weeks ago and, and giving it the best that they could give it as far as with what they're given to play, they should have just let that play off screen and had him come back with, oh, my God, Kim's dying, you know, or something that just that fell off worthy the of. Kim fell off the mountain. <laughs> and it was just oh. boring. It's boring. You know, they should have yeah. they should have let us miss him a little bit so that when we see him, we're ready for him. It's it's just, you know. How can he so find much... in the shallow storyline? Absolutely. Jackson. Thank you. I'm Thank you. Like, because I thought that he knew Shiloh. I thought Shiloh and him were friends. Yeah. So why is yeah, he that, that a part of that? Played out. Yeah. Why doesn't he, like, to me, I feel as though, 
I mean, I think this is where Anthony and everybody's coming from. I feel as though if you can't write for the man, <clears throat> you either do two things. One, just keep him off the for a little bit until you figure out a story. So you're ready. Or, or the other thing, l- let him go. Because no, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, I, trust me, I trust me. I'm with you because I know. As soon as I say that, I know what people are gonna be like. Well, mm, he could come back. No, mm-mm, Jason, stay where you're at. The thing is, is that with they don't know what to do with Drew. I, that's the problem. You have a great actor playing this character that has so many open storylines. It doesn't make any sense. When is he going to get his memories back? Uh, what is his relationship with Jason? Um, does he does he remember he has a daughter? Um, he, he knows Shiloh. Um, when is he going to get does his memories back? Does he know that his ex-wife just almost got yeah, right. you know, There's so right. many beats to play. Yeah. Well, I have faith that they're going to do. I mean, they, I think they were just getting through the conclusion of the Oscar storyline, and you know they'll put him into something. I, I, I have faith. I think they too, know. Tim, but Tim, even with Oscar, okay, his memory should have been bad. Like for him to have some kind of memory of Oscar, Kim, and him before Oscar died. So that way, when I, you know, like there could have been a scene where we, like, you know, Drew has a flash or something. I don't know, flash drive, I don't know. And told, you know, Kim, I remember when Oscar and me went fishing. And Kim is like, what? And he's like, yeah, I remember we went to the lake, and it was me and Oscar, and we we were sitting and we were talking. And then Oscar is like, you remember that? And he was like, yeah. Like, something like that, like, emotional. Like, that could have been, like, emotional for Drew. I mean, for Oscar. To like, you know, like, wow, my dad actually had a memory of me before I died. And Kim is like, oh, and Drew is like, yeah. And then it makes Drew kind of want to go ahead and just go ahead full-fledged and get his memory back. Like, you could have had no, that. No, Can- Candace, sweetie, he never knew Oscar. He didn't know she well, was I'm pregnant just, when look, he left. Look, wait, wait a minute, hold up. This is General Hospital. They rewrite a rewrite all the time. I mean, Anna well, was Peter's true, mama. True. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, remember... Remember, yeah, remember that Franco is Scotty's son, right, you know, just saying, well, you know. The other thing I want to mention is I was actually surprised, and maybe it's just me, but I was surprised that they did the, the switcheroo thing with Ryan and Kevin with the uh, the kidney thing, you know, where he I thought that was agreed. great. Right. Where he agreed to do it, I thought that that um, what's her name finally, you know, got to him when with all her talking. He's through. like, "Yeah, I'll do it just to shut her up," you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, you know, I really believe that. So now Brilliant. today, when I'm watching it, and, and they're talking, and and Jordan is how, now, how is Jordan figuring all this out? I mean, come on. That part did. That was like what? No, that, I don't think yeah, that's so. That's the only part. I don't think so at all. Actually, she's she's been she's been pretty consistently. She may not get the results we need from a police commissioner, but she pretty much gets gets on target with what's going on. 
So I'm not that surprised. Yeah, I know, but she just came out of surgery, and all of a sudden she's got it all figured out. It has to be the brain surgery. Brain surgery. I guess. (laughs) Let me ask this question. Online, they're saying online. They're saying online. Well, I heard this last last night that people are saying that maybe the kidney is giving Jordan brains. <laughs> oh my God. Well, let me ask a question. Do y'all think they should have kept it a secret as to, from Jordan as to whose kidney she received? I, like, I wouldn't like have figured it out. I, I didn't figure that out. Well, no. I yes didn't. and no. I yes and no. I mean, we, I don't know. I, you know, because some people keep it a secret and some don't. So. You know, it works both ways. It could have been like, all right, okay, here's me being the writer again, where Jordan, like everything, like six months later, okay, six months later, right, Jordan, like, wants to know about the kidney donor, okay? Let's say nobody knew, you know, nobody's told her anything, just said, like, somebody, you know, who was on the kidney donor, you was on the waiting list, by God, you got one. But she wants to know who kidney it is, you know, just to, you know, because she's nosy. So she starts going through well, the records and everything. Uh, you know, like kind of a, a, like for Jordan, a mystery to be solved. And at the same time, like Elizabeth finds out that she's, that Jordan's been asking questions. So she talks to Franco and says, Jordan wants to know about the kidney donor. Like, and then we can get clips. Isn't, like, it, the kind, flashback. isn't it kind of unavoidable though, because of the situation? Yeah, I mean, no. she knew yeah. that she knew they yeah. had to save Ryan because he was the only one that was compatible with her. So, to me, right. that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. <clears throat> Curtis would have knocked him over the head and dragged him out of Ava's cabin before Chase got there. That would have been a great storyline to tell. But from the moment, from the moment Chase showed up, the storyline was written. There was no other way to write it. Um, without, you know, without completely just blowing all of us away, and not in a good way. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that they didn't linger this out, actually, and that they, they gave us yeah. the, the episode we had yesterday, because there's so yeah. much stuff hanging in the balance. We didn't need Jordan's kidney, which in a month from now, nobody's going to care about. We didn't need that hanging as another yet unfinished we still don't know what the big deal with the twins are. And guess what? I have a feeling we never going to know. We never going to know. Yeah. And, you know, and how, still... how, do you think this, how do you think this Shiloh storyline is going to end up? Is it going to be a murder mystery? Uh, yeah. Is oh, no. he going to okay. get no, no, in jail? You know, to me, it... Okay. Wait, real quick. To me, like it's like neck and neck Loving between is the only Shiloh that shot. did the serial killer right. I want to see everybody in town in a trench coat going after Shiloh, and, <laughs> and he ends up dead. You know who I'm talking about, right? Everybody remember? Well, you know, you know who I think is you know who I think is finally going to off him. Harmony. His most dedicated follower, Willow's mother. Did Harmony. you see her face exactly. in jail today? Yeah, I did. I did. She's, she's like, off. yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Here she is taking the fall for him, and all he cares about is he don't care about her being in jail. He just wants to go off and find his kid, and that's it, you know. Um, and I think that's finally getting into her head. I mean, because, what, you, just yesterday, you know, she's crying, what can I do for you? Don't leave me, Baba. You know what I mean? And then today right. she's like, excuse me, you want money? You want me to do jail time? You want the kid, but you don't want me to be involved with my grandkid? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, she signed for the money. She's trying to trust him still, but you can see her brain is working. Yeah. Her brain is working. Okay. So somebody catch me up real quick. I, did we get an announcement that um, um, Elizabeth Hendrickson is done? Yes. She's on tomorrow. Yeah. I yeah, thought she, she was she doing isn't. both. Okay, so let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna help everybody out. Okay, so back around the Emmys, we all know Elizabeth was at CBS party. That's Fox rumors. Okay. Then she said she was gonna try to do both. She was gonna pull like a Wally curse and try to do both. I guess General Hospital was like, you know what? We don't got any more story for you. Bye bye. Next thing you know. You know, it was announced she was coming back. They didn't give an air date for her when Young and the Ross list. And then she posted pictures of her last day at General Hospital. The end. Right. Okay. Right. I miss you. Okay. Yeah. Not really. I mean, it was cute that she got to play a little bit in Port Charles, but that, that was another character that that's, John that's wasn't Yeah. Even with her. Like, you know what the sad part was? Is that... <laughs> When she was on there and they had the scenes with her and Billy Miller, and like I said, Young and the Rockers fans, we all was watching. The chem- and even all my children fans came, you know, the chemistry between her and and Billy fell flat to me. And I was like, yeah. ooh, what are they going to do with this character now? Because I thought they were going yeah. to have her and Sonny sleep together. I was like, I mean, Sonny and her are going to sleep together. And that, that, so I don't know. I, it's not, you know, I'm going to say this. It's not the actor's fault. It's the show. Because Elizabeth could have easily been a Sarah Weber, a Serena Baldwin. Like, yeah. If you're going to put her on as a new character, give us something to, like, really sink our teeth in and not just have her be another hypocritical character who thinks they can tear down Sonny, Jason, and all of them. That's it. Okay. I'm miss you, Elizabeth, but I'm going to see you in space. Changing direction. Okay, last thing about GH before we move on to Dave's because we've got 15 minutes left. Okay. Last thing about GH, Carly got her results today. Think think she's going to have a healthy baby or is going to have a problem? I think it's going to have a problem. It would be interesting if they showed her having a Down syndrome baby. Right. That's what I thought, too. I said that. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. One more thing about Inch. I am loving Mackie and Peter, but please don't give us get, leave Dante out of it, and don't give us a, a Maxine Peter Lulu triangle. Come on home, Dante. Oh. Come on home, and I have a perfect person to play him. Come on home, Dante. Come on home with your fineness and this all rightness. Yes. Come on home, Dante. I miss you. I miss you, Lulu and Dante. You're the only reason Lulu can stay functional. Sorry, oh, I had to say Candace it. Yes, 
to do. All right. I, I actually thought I thought about three people who could play a recast of Dante. Would you like to hear it real quick? Go ahead. Mark Lawson. Yes, yes, yes. Heck to the yes, that's it. That's all I got. Mark Lawson, Mark Lawson, Mark Lawson. <laughs> and Jeff <laughs> Branson. Jeff Branson. Mm. Jeff would be. Wait, yeah. I heard. I heard Jeff Branson and who else did you say? And and Mark, Mark Lawson. 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 Mark Lawson. Someone like to live. Mhm. Did, did you not think? Of, did Brody. you not think of? I I know. I just didn't hear the name. Did you not think of your one friend? Oh oh. Brendan. Oh, what? Oh yeah. Alfred. Yeah. What? I didn't hear you. Who? Palfrey? Uh-uh. Tom Palfrey? No, just, I, 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 know, I know who you're talking about, but I'm going to just say that I think between – I have to think about the character and of development because we kind of saw it with the last time Dom, Dominic I – mean, when Dominic was there with Dante, you saw him kind of go into this place of ashamed and also trying to be brave, like, you know, because he had, you know, that post-traumatic stress disorder, which I wish General Hospital would have really pushed for for the story, but maybe when he comes back, they can do that. Mm-hmm. I need for him to be dark. So the thing is, is that he's not going to be, like, more of his mama, but he's going to be a little bit more of his dad in, in the terms of darkness. When I thought about Mark, I was mm-hmm. thinking about Brody. You know, in one life, yeah. Brody was dealing with some stuff, and I was like, that would be perfect if Mark Lawson, Mark Tuffin, if you're listening, Mark, okay, he could play that role. Jeff Branson is another person. Anybody who watched Gone Light knows when Shane Lewis came back, he was kind of in that situation as well. I would say, mm-hmm. you know, like John Driscoll or Tom Pelfrey, but John Driscoll's doing military. Tom Pelfrey would But you don't think Chad Branham could bring it? I don't think Chad could bring it, and this is and here's no. the thing. I love you, Chad. You know that, but they never really. I mean, unless they really go ahead and and cast him in another role or General Hospital, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust the writers to actually bring him to his dark edge. They did it before when Xander was kind of like the final few months when Xander was on, but they also had him still have the heart of gold on his sleeve. So I need for for Dante to like really like be paranoid in a way, like sort of like what we like the way that Adam is on Young and the Rockless. That's kind of what I'm not all the way, but yeah. some traits. Yeah. From wow. Adam on Young and the Rockless, a little bit of stuff on on Days of Our Lives, with a little bit of Ben and a little bit of Thomas all rolled into one, and that's what I want Dante to be. Like he's paranoid. But he's trying to power through for the for the sake of his family. That's what I want General Hospital to do. So General Hospital, call me anytime. I'm here. Pick me. All right, Scotty, beam us over to Salem. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna mute you. Have fun. Like stands through the hourglass. Oh, a whole lot's been happening on the days of our lives. Candace, we don't have our queen, so you're going to step in. You're going to be elevated from princess to queen for the evening. What is – go ahead, girl. I know you're chomping. Go ahead. Oh, my God. Go ahead, Candace. Oh, Xander. 
really bothers me. Um, I don't think that the history there is so bad that they couldn't redeem themselves, especially with what both of them have been through in the last year. They could have really milked something out of that. Um, I don't know what they're going to – I don't know how they're going to make us invest in Haley anymore. Her and her sister should just jump into the river and, and, and you know, take a nice little sail somewhere because neither one of those characters. Neither one of those characters brings anything. I'm going to say this. I agree with you because I think, and I'm going to tie it into this whole Jack storyline. I'm over it. I mean, I know with this Jack storyline, look, this is, and I've said Mm. this, the only good thing about this Jack storyline is Eve, Cassie the Piva. That's the only thing that's keeping me interested in it because I think they've taken, look, I know my history of Jack. Jack was, was, you know, a scaled-down version of what we're seeing now. But the thing is is that right. they've taken the storyline to kind of the not, – not the extreme because, Lord knows, I know they can do the extreme. But they've taken it to a point where, as a Jack and Jennifer fan, I'm waiting for somebody to call Frankie. Billy Warlock, where you at, baby? Come on, come on, come on today. Yeah. You had Billy Willock. Yeah, because you know, they've turned I, Jennifer into such a pathetic character at this point. You know. Again. I, again. Again. Thank you. You know, she's just mm-hmm. so woefully pathetic. And I got to say real quick, kudos to, because I'm not a Julie fan at all. I, you know, I think, right. you know, retire, baby, retire. But I got to say kudos between the scenes, the scenes between her and Matthew and, you know, Julie and Jack. Um, because that did fire me up a little bit and say, okay, maybe, maybe every once in a while we do need a little dose of Julie. Um, Julie Gabby, I was ready to push her down the stairs. Like Julie Jack, okay. Um, you know, I'd like to see her interact with Maggie a little bit and see what they could do with that. But that's wishful thinking. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we got Caroline to wrap it up. We got Caroline's uh, funeral coming up, so maybe yeah. we'll see yeah. some of that. And also, oh, they, dropped, they dropped the Easter egg yesterday between Xander and Kristen with the rest of the doors. We are getting the rest of those. We are getting the rest of those reveals. So, oh yeah, you know, that's not a storyline that's just going to disappear. And I was glad right. that they gave us that Easter egg to remind us because we're going to get Bob Dunja with Maggie. Uh, I was Maggie with Caroline. Uh, Caroline's funeral. And, um, right. and of course, you know, will and and will he or won't he, you know, uh-huh. again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real, real quick before we leave, I have to give honorable mention today's for the Lonnie breakthrough. That girl, yes. when Lonnie realized yes. that her that she like to me. Okay, I know everybody's talking about sin and the JJ Jack storyline. But this storyline was the storyline that I think I was mostly invested in because Lonnie had to – She okay, let me explain this for those who don't know. Lonnie was living in La La Land. In other words, she was having a fantasy world of having a great guy, oh. being a very supportive father, and, you know, a baby, you know, coincidentally named Baby David, you know. So she was living that life. When they had her breakthrough and she realized that she was trying to replace and do all this, I was like, go, 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 go. She nailed, they played that scene to and through. 
and I cried okay, along with it. ready to say goodbye, guys. We're right. running Thanks out. Thanks once again I'm to sorry. Patricia Beaton. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. As always, positive thoughts, positive, wonderful vibes. We'll see you again next Thursday with another great guest. Yes. Don't tell everybody. Don't <laughs> say anything. Don't say anything. I'm not going to Bye, guys. Bye. Tune in. Good night, everybody. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.